Serving clients well is critical to everything that we do, whether that's your client is a bride for a wedding, whether your client is a director or your client is Disney. It doesn't matter like how you serve your customer, how you talk with them, how you email with them, how you, you know, partner with them in making what you're making because you are partnering with them. You're making something for them. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, here in the Polar Pro Studio. Today's guest is Justin Wiley, director of cinematography and visual storyteller, who has had well over a decade of professional video experience. Justin has a really great perspective on professional video production because he was on the video team for a very large company that worked on TV shows, documentaries, curriculum, and even short films. He has experience working with large teams of people, all the way down to doing a completely stripped down music video by himself. Justin is now completely freelance, and I think anybody who is transitioning from going from a full-time position to moving into the freelance space is going to really enjoy this episode and get some great advice from Justin. Before we get started with this interview, I'd like to remind you guys about the new Light Chaser Pro kit that we have from Polar Pro. It's an incredible filter system designed for iPhone 11 professional photography and filmmaking. Go check it out on polarpro.com if you haven't already. I think if you want to really start getting into mobile photography and videography and using it for your work, having a good filter system in your kit gives you the ability to use your phone in a really professional way. It's actually a great B camera, or if you only have your phone, then obviously this is definitely for you. Again, go check it out on our website, polarpro.com. I'd like to thank you all for listening to the Golden Hour podcast every single week. Without any further ado, let's listen into my interview with Justin Wiley. All right, so we're here with uh, Justin Wiley, another roommate that I'm interviewing on this show. <laughs> uh, one of the early guests that we had on this podcast was Matt Underwood, another guy who lived in the same home as the two of us. Um, all three of us, filmmakers, uh, video creators, all under one roof. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Those were the days, the old days. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, I was I was a kid. I was a teenager. I think it was 19, 20, maybe yeah. when I moved in there. You were always kind of, you know, several years ahead of me because you're not that much Same. older. But when you're 19 and you're like 24, uh -huh. it's like a big. Oh yeah, I was the dad. Yeah, 100. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a fun, uh, a really fun little opportunity that we have together to uh, to do a little conversation, to get to know each other on a more personal. I, whatever, I know so much about you. <laughs> um, we're going to go over your career journey. You're now a freelance oh, uh, cinematographer, director. Yeah. Um, you're here in LA doing a music video for a really famous TikTok star named uh, Madison. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah, and so Justin hit me up. I was like, dude, I'm in town. And I was like, let's do a podcast. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. We fit it in. <laughs> We're done shooting a music video. Yeah. We're all tired, but we did it. That's and it was right, fun. Man. So let's talk about Justin Wiley. Who are you? Where do you come from? Oh, man. Um, so I'm I already know the answer. I, yeah, I know you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, based out of Nashville, obviously that's where we met and go way back and, yep. um, from Kentucky originally, um, Nashville is the closest, coolest place to go. Yeah. So that's where we all met up. Went to school in Kentucky as well. Uh huh. Uh, studied film and, uh, media and stuff, yeah. right? TV production, film studies at Murray State University. Murray um, State. And it was great. That's where I met my wife, um, Katie. She's awesome. And shout out to Katie. Shout out to Katie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we 
came to Nashville, you know, worked um, in Nashville at a publishing company on the video team for almost nine years. Yeah. And which that's, is insane. Yeah, and that's, I think, really the meat of what we're going to talk about today, but also the, yeah. the huge transition that you've had that I think a lot of people listening would like to make or are in the process of making. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have a lot to speak to about that, and that is going from a, uh, a company that you were working on the creative team to now doing freelance. So it's a huge transition yeah. going from a paycheck to not a paycheck. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the skills are totally, absolutely there. And because of the experience that you've had uh, through college, through the freelance jobs that you've had before you ever worked there, uh, to obviously working at a very high scale at this production company Mm -hmm. uh, called Lifeway uh, in Nashville, they do huge uh, projects all over the the country and the globe, I guess, technically. But um, big company. I mean, how many people were working there? I mean, there's, uh, it's a publishing company in Nashville. There's around, I mean, last, when I worked there last, there were 1,500 employees that worked insane. downtown. It's a ton of people. Um, loads of people do lots of, uh, make church stuff. Mm. So all the stuff a church would need. Content. And that uh, includes tons and tons of videos, mm. summer camp stuff, uh, vacation Bible school, all the videos you watched as a kid and yep. all that kind of stuff. So yeah, <laughs> multiple, uh, cameras, uh, sit down interview kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, live events. Um, mm-hmm. we were even talking as we were setting up this podcast, you're like, Oh, I've been here because <laughs> you also worked on a lot of podcasts as uh-huh. well. Um, gosh, I mean the, the wealth of knowledge that you've gathered over those nine years, I mean, is, is it's insane. You've kind of had your hand in, in everything. And nine years ago, that was yeah. like right at the beginning of this whole kind of DSLR revolution that occurred in the mm-hmm. industry. So you really went and saw the transition of camcorders to oh, yeah. DSLRs to cinema cameras. And you got to work on some really high budget films and things too, where you had that traditional kind of filmmaking mm-hmm. hierarchy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also times where you're just out by yourself, right? Uh-huh. And uh, when we were living together and I was your roommate, there were a couple of jobs that I got to go out freelance and work with you on. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, the stories are kind of endless, honestly, because yeah. we've known each other for so long. we're old now. <laughs> yeah. But tell me about just kind of like your college experience. Let's just start there. There's a lot yeah. of people that are debating, should I go to film school? Should I, yeah. do, should I go to college? I know you're an advocate for it, but also... You know, you can see both sides of it. I mean, yeah, I really do. Like, I loved college. Like, it was a blast. And, but I also, and the, like, the program at Murray State is great. They don't have a ton of, they don't have, like, not a ton of me. It's a smaller school, smaller program. Um, I did not go to USC film school. I did not go to NYU. Mm-hmm. But, the opportunities that I got where I went was kind of the free reign to um, learn things myself and teach myself things. And so I was, <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about um, whether or not to go to college. And I was like, if you can learn how to learn and you never stop wanting to learn things, great. Like that's, that's the biggest thing I took away from college. Mm-hmm. Um, is a learning a level of curiosity about everything and wanting to learn things, and especially when that relates to filmmaking. Constantly wanting to learn and just soak up information from books, from YouTube, mm. from other movies, from just everything, from life in general. 
Um, and that was the best part. Um, there's, there's a lot of value I see in just a liberal arts under education and understanding, you know, like, like classic literature and like all these different things and how that pours into a, like a healthy worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a storyteller, you get so much from it, that too, right? Yeah. There's yeah. so, so much stuff to soak up and colleges, they just straight up designed for that mm-hmm. experience for four years of life. You just sit, you don't really have to worry about anything else. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe you have an extra job to make money, but it's just, you're just soaking and soaking and soaking. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, for film specifically, and I think this is something we talked about ages ago, Yeah, was, you know, the biggest thing you take away from college when it comes to film work is relationships. Mm. Um, and if you want to go to a place where you can get great relationships, do it. Go yeah. for it. If you're independently wealthy and want to pay to go to a big school and yeah. meet the right people and get in the right doors, awesome, great. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that time can just as well be spent just as well hustling, doing the work mm. on the street, making videos, making content, um, working for other production companies, working for other people, getting on set as a PA. Mm-hmm. That experience is um, ultimately probably going to take you farther down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's a personal choice. Yeah. There's tons of things that go into it. College may not be a financial feasibility for some people. Mm. Um, but hustle always is feasible. And so you can always like put your nose to the grindstone, start Mm. knocking stuff out, make some content, um, and just practice and practice and practice. College is a great place to kind of isolate and do that. Mm. But that needs to happen no matter what, whether you're in a school setting or you're not. Well, I think what's cool about your story is like you mentioned, your school is an amazing school. I know you have a lot of pride about it, Yeah. but it's not, like you said, it's not a, you know, go to film place. And yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people listening can relate to that. If they live in kind of a, not LA or New York, yeah. which is a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> um, your, your local, you know, down the street, 13th grade school probably has some sort of, I'm sure halfway decent film program and you may not be able to have Steven Spielberg be a guest speaker, right? Like at USC, uh-huh. but you can, like you said, you take away these relationships that then carry on to professional life. And was that true for you? Did that then lead you to, to have the, the job that you ended up having through school? Um, some, yes, I, I would assume that that came up when you applied as well. Obviously, having a degree helps, right? Yes, right? it helps, and it helped getting on at Lifeway at a more corporate kind of place um, because it it was like, okay, he has a four year degree in video production. He knows at least this amount of it. Mm-hmm. And most places these days, this was, I mean, this was almost ten years ago. So most places these days will be like, be like, yeah, I don't have a four year degree, but I have a YouTube channel with. 400 videos that prove that I'm good at making videos. Sure. And then be like, you know, like anybody who's not dumb would be like, Oh great. Yeah. That counts. Sure. <laughs> and so it's, you know, I, my connections to where I ended up to Lifeway came from, I worked summer camp for mm. Lifeway as a staffer. And one of the positions on staff at summer camp was the video producer. And so I shot f- four, six videos every week the same videos of different kids <laughs> yeah. every week all summer yeah. on a Canon GL2 yeah. on mini DV tape 
Um, Were you doing a zoom as an effect? Just like a, you just stand there and zoom in as like a... Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like slow zoom yeah. for dramatic effect. Absolutely. Yep. Forget the slider and the gimbals. It no was, way. It was that, a zoom. That's what you had. You, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I started on you too. Know, so. Yeah. You just have like cut to the beat in the song. Mm-hmm. You have like some upbeat song. You just like... Final Cut Pro 7. Click and drop Final Cut Pro 7 on like a big, those big shiny white IMAX. And yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, um, those are the good old days. <laughs> right, <laughs> but that's what led you to to the job. Is uh, you're yeah, in there. With I did that, that and that had me an in with the production team who mm-hmm. hired me to do that job. And gotcha. and like when I was like I was a kid, I went to the camp as a kid, mm-hmm. um, and I saw the video guy who then was making editing the videos. Like, I'm pretty sure with like two VCRs. Oh wow! So it was live kind of like, <laughs> like. We had it made with mini DV tape compared to what they used to do. Yeah. But I still saw those guys and I was like, that's cool. Yeah. I want to do that, you know. Yeah. And so then I did that. And then when I was at camp, I saw the guys who made the videos that played at camp, like the cool little mm. um, films and stuff that they made there. Um, at that time, made by one of our friends seth worley yep who worked there as well who now is uh working with red giant uh-huh. and just search seth worley on google you'll find it yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and, creator. and so that's where i met seth ben worley's was, brother we uh-huh. interviewed ben worley actually on this podcast there you go seth worley's brother is ben worley oh wow <laughs> uh, who would have thought? Yeah, thought um so that's how i met seth there and then i got a job later when i graduated applied for the job on on Seth's team and um at Lifeway ended up working on a different video production team because of course a giant company has multiple video teams mm. um but that's how I got that in was there and so um you know there're definitely skills plenty of skills I learned in college that made me a good video producer at camp that got me the in to yeah. get on to that team but watching that progression of you know I saw a job I wanted to do, went for it, got it. I saw a different job I wanted to do, went for it, got mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And then at Lifeway, at a certain point, I was just like, okay, now I'm making these summer camp videos that I wanted to make all these years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's awesome. And I had to remind myself a lot be like, okay, like I'm where I wanted to be mm-hmm. a long time ago. Um, but there was still that constant itch of like, but I... But now I want to be over there, you know. And so this <laughs> yeah. is like kind of be like, but what I really want to be doing is, you know, blank, fill in the blank, you know. right? Yeah, fill in the blank. I really want to be shooting this commercial that my buddy's shooting, you know, or mm. whatever. And uh, so there's always that constant battle between like I want to be content but not mm. complacent. Well, it didn't help that me and Matt, uh, Matt and I were in there too. We all three were just doing different stuff and it's yeah. like you're coming in, you're traveling all over the place. Right. And I'm home shooting weddings, but then right. Matt does a music video and like all three of us were like, <laughs> you know, weirdly competing against each other but also not really cuz we're all just bros and it's yeah. whatever. But uh, that was a lot of again, that was kind of a fun time. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> like, you know, because we were Moon all over college, like just living there, mm-hmm. a bunch of like young single guys at the time, like just <laughs> making videos, goofing off. Yeah. Um, this was before YouTube was very like strong in yeah. anyone's life. And it's the Vimeo days. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I got on Vimeo the other day researching for this music video and I was just mm. like, everything on here is so weird. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'm just happened? getting old and getting more distant from. <laughs> 
creativity or something. Well, yeah, I mean, when you really think about some of those Vimeo staff picks, a lot of them were, there was no actual story. They were just visually kind of cool with like a weird, grungy voiceover. You know, oh, yeah, 100%. Like, the the you story know. was actually not there. No, not a bit. <laughs> but, but it was it was pretty. Yeah, it was <laughs> pretty or it was interesting or there was just something about it. There was it's like, inspiring. oh, that's different, yeah, you know, yeah, totally, totally. which is helpful to say like, okay, how do I think about this in a different way? Mm-hmm. How do I think about because and this is something that plays a lot into like the corporate grind and when you're doing mm. videos like I I wish I'd kept count over the nine years how many videos that I output while wow. I was there. What would you say? Put a put a guess on it. Ten thousand is not out of the realm of possibility. Wow. Yeah. Um they say ten thousand hours makes you a master. Think about yeah. how many hours it takes to make one video. You've right. done ten thousand of them. <laughs> <laughs> And I am nowhere near being a master at anything. Um, Because if anything, like being the guy who like would build a podcast studio and like uh, Live has a new headquarters right now and I built, Mm -hmm. designed and and built their video studio. And Mm. if anything, Jack of all trades, master of none seems very fitting. And one thing kind of towards the end of my time there, I was like, okay, I I want to be a good DP. I want to be a good cinematographer. And I feel like I'm being pulled in a thousand directions that aren't Mm. helping me be a better cinematographer. And that became frustrating because like my, my ultimate point to the company and being there was fulfilling the needs that they had Mm. when it comes to production and everything like that. So it's tough sometimes, you know, wanting, needing to focus on your career and what, your goals are as an individual um, versus being on a large team like that, where that team has goals and that team has a mission and a vision of what they're doing. And there's a, there, there's a great sense of belonging you can have when, when those align and you're like, okay, like here's, here's the, the part that I play. And growing up, I was, you know, I watched church videos as a kid growing up and I was like, these, these aren't very good, mm-hmm. you know, compared to like movies that we watched and stuff. And, yeah. And I had a, you know, a, a, a really good director I got to work with early on in my career was just like, you know, this was like right before I started LifeWay. And he goes, oh, you're going to work there? Oh, awesome. Their videos need to be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, not dogging on the guys that made videos back then, because I learned more from those guys who still work there mm-hmm. than anybody else in my career. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys who've been through like everything from shooting on like three quarter inch tape mm. <laughs> to like who would just as easily picked up a 5d mark ii and be like oh wow this is cool let's figure this out you know yeah um amazing things to learn from them but like being a part of a team and mm. saying like here's what i have to bring to that team and here's how to i can use my drive and my you know mm-hmm. <laughs> early career skills as a cinematographer, want to be cinematographer to like, say like, how can we make this look just a little bit better this video than the last video? Mm -hmm. How can I make this like look a little more polished? What skill can I learn to make things look a little bit better? Um, and bringing that skill to that. But there also comes a point where, you know, there, you can see that split and you can say, okay, well for me to go to the next step in my career, like when and where am I going to hit a glass ceiling here Mm -hmm. to where, I have to evaluate how much value to my career am I getting for the time that I'm spending here mm-hmm. um, versus when do I need to step out and go forward and try to take things to the next level. Um, and for me, that was something that's kind of on my mind for a while. 
Um, and then we had kids. We had twins, and that was just a whole thing. And um, so I was really lucky, and I'm very grateful to be at a a, a full time production company gig when I when their boys were born because it it enabled a sense of stability, mm-hmm. income every two weeks that mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about, and working in a company that. Um, and on a team that cared a lot about me and my family to be able to say, you know, um, it's fine if you can't work on this project or if you need to step back a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, cause when you're staying with your kids in the NICU, like that's hard. Like, yeah, it, we've got you covered. It's fine. And that was invaluable. If I was freelance at that point and didn't have a big nest egg saved up, mm-hmm. I would have been stressed out of my mind yeah. and my wife would have been stressed out of her mind and it would just been really hard. So it was really, really great how the timing worked out yeah. um, to be able to be in a place that was healthy and helpful for my family. Mm. Um, but now that the boys are doing really well, you know, we feel a lot more stable in things to be able to go for it and to have a wife who supports me and says like, yes, like, yeah, do it, go, like, yeah, now's the figure time. it out. You know, who's watching boys at home in Nashville right now while I'm in L.A. hanging out, making music videos on the beach. You know, I don't know. She's rolling her eyes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. You're the best. So it, it's it been a journey. It's been a very interesting journey and not one that I could have predicted. Um, but what I've learned along the way and... The value and even some of the weird random things of like working at a company and a corporation that values like read this business book, like things mm-hmm. I'd be like, ah, gross, no. But <laughs> you know, there's there's so many things to learn, like what I said about college, like you need to learn how to learn and want to learn and want to soak up those things. And mm-hmm. so there's opportunities to read a business book and see how that applies to how you run the business of yourself mm-hmm. as a freelancer or how to be a part of a team. Um, how to serve customers well mm-hmm. and uh, it seems like oh it's a businessy thing but like mm-hmm. serving clients well is critical to everything you, that we do whether that's your client is a bride for a wedding whether your client is a director on a music video that you're working on or your client is disney it doesn't matter like <laughs> how you serve your customer how you um talk with them how you email with them how you you know partner with them and making what you're making because you are partnering with them you're making something for them nine times out of ten and so mm-hmm. you know making sure that you deliver something that fits what they need and so that's something that i learned a ton at life where it's just like like the client wins like mm. they they're especially when they're paying you money to make a thing sure it needs to achieve their goals and they know what their goals are so you need to you need to know what they know yeah and so it can be tough sometimes when you have a tough client well your client <clears throat> in a way the, the the buyers of the products that your company was selling were people who were looking for education or mm-hmm. uh inspiration you know a lot of things in the right you know kind of that kind of yeah. thing so is that what you're referring to? Or are you talking about Lifeway as a, in general? Well, it's like, and even just like knowing who the end client is, because there were mm-hmm. times that we would be doing something um, 
saying like youth ministry or something. So you're like, okay, this needs to be like young and edgy and cool and fun and goofy and funny. Uh, But sometimes it would be actually like this is for youth pastors or this is for the the person who's actually going to like buy the curriculum in the church. And so Mm. there there could be a lot of missing and misfiring in the communication on who the intended audience is. And Mm -hmm. so we could just spend hours coming up with a cool, awesome idea for something. And you're like, uh, you know, teenagers would love that, but their parents who are the ones we're actually trying to communicate with would not. And so mm. this is missing completely the point. And so... So you have those guardrails to live within that you could play within, but the guardrails were always based around who is this product for, you know, who is the buyer of this this video, right? Right, you know, and, and, and what... What message are we trying to send and who are we trying to connect with, mm. really? And I think filmmaking, video production is just in general, like we're, we're telling stories mm. to connect people. Like we want people to connect with an idea. We want people to connect with a feeling to whether that's just to not feel alone in the world or feel like somebody else understands them or connect with them with a product that could help them in life or make things better or just, just make them happy and laugh for 30 minutes while they're watching TV when life is hard. Like, so looking at how we use storytelling, use visual narrative to connect people Mm. and whether that's to, you know, sell them a product that we think is going to help or tell them a story that's going to make them feel better or challenge their ideas about something like all of those things all come down to communication. And I think if we, you know, we have to be able to communicate well with mm-hmm. the people we're working with to make stuff because it's a collaborative thing. If I don't communicate well with my crew, we're going to have a really frustrating day and we're not going to go home with what we like. Yeah. If I don't communicate well with the director or the producers or the client or whoever it is, like mm-hmm. we're going to go home and nobody's going to be happy. Yeah. And so something I've just learned through corporate life and some of those more like structured environments you know, who've spent years and years and years knowing that, you know, we need to communicate really well. And sometimes to a detriment having too many meetings or too many emails and things just get too convoluted. Like nothing beats just like meeting and talking Mm -hmm. and keeping those lines of communication open. And I think so often in our world we can get isolated, Mm -hmm. you know, especially in like pre-production on something and be like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're obviously thinking about that. So I'm not going to email them about that. But trying to always keep communication as open as possible. Mm-hmm. So when it came to certain projects, you know, you're referring to, you want to kind of live in that tone or like make the product that you're making for that person. So what are some actual techniques that you would do, you know, for those types of things? Like if you're shooting for youth, you know, do you shoot with a different type of lens or do you shoot a <laughs> handheld versus tripod? Are there certain focal lengths that you want to shoot when you're, filming a certain type of person compared to someone else. I mean, what are some of those techniques, lighting, color, all those types of things that I know you're very good at. Let's share it. Like share me, tell me, you know, how you would come, (laughs) like somebody comes to you with the idea at at the company. They say, we need to make X. How do you then make the tone of that piece fit the product that you're, they're trying to ship? Oh my gosh, there's a thousand things. Yeah. And it's <laughs> and it's one of those things you kind of just have to like you, you start with that conversation, you just try to like 
put yourself in their shoes and understand who they're trying to reach. What are the communication methods that reach those people that they're used to, that mm-hmm. they understand, that they see, you know, when we're, um, you know, now trying to reach a YouTube generation and um, people are used to quick, you know, not necessarily like dirty filmmaking, but just like quick and easy, you know, yeah. nothing special, nothing frilly, like, be like, okay, but that's, that's a style. That's an mm-hmm. idea. And there's actual intentionality behind it of why you do those things. And so there's, you know, that goes into it. There's um, a lot that goes into how you write scripts and how you write copy. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing you ran into a lot was like a lot of people there are really good at writing for print and writing for video is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would get tons of scripts that are just like two words, eight pages long talking about like this new product. And I'm like, okay, cool. This will make a great PDF, but we need to redo this <laughs> yeah, yeah. to make it 30 seconds. So long. how do you, and also what were the skills that you learned to say what you just said in a, in a more polite <laughs> in way, a more graceful way? Um, lots of grace, lots of, were kindness. You, were you removed from that? Did you have people doing those type of talking? Sometimes. Producers and stuff? Um, later on as the team grew and as we kind of like worked more into, mm-hmm. okay, you three are the producers and the writers. You guys are the cinematographers. You guys are the editors, which, you know, is where we wanted to go. Sure. Um, it is a more healthy way to say like, okay, you're good at this. So this is your seat on the bus. You're good at this. <laughs> this is your seat on the bus. And yeah. instead of, hey, just go sit on every seat on the bus at the same time. <laughs> um, sure. So that was great. But when I did sit on every seat at the same time, Um, it, uh, what really helped me was just to, to say like, okay, I, I want to be this person's friend first. Mm -hmm. I want to understand them as a person and I want to like connect with them, be able to make jokes with them. And so like Mm -hmm. relationships kind of took priority sometimes. Um, I don't know. Some people were very much like, um, I'm sorry, this is a very professional business meeting. Um, I need you to focus and we need to get this work done. And I'd be like, uh, boring. Okay. (laughs) Um, But trying to find those personal connections to where they trust you as a person Mm -hmm. and as a friend and as somebody they they want to collaborate with. Mm -hmm. Because I think shifting that perception from... Um, Mm. okay, your job is to make my video to, we are going to make this video together. So maybe Um, pulling out of an email to going to lunch. Exactly. Like eating for some reason, when you have food with somebody, there's just this barrier that's lifted and you just connect on such a personal level when food is involved. Absolutely. (laughs) Especially with you and I. (laughs) Yes, no doubt. Food is amazing. We are foodies for sure. Food is great. Um, (laughs) So yeah, like that kind of thing. And even um, yeah, pulling out of an email and, yeah. and going face to face, finding ways to connect and, and, and really like even over communicating to the point to like, I want this to be the most successful thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I help? Like, how can you help me do that? And how can I help you mm-hmm. get what you need? Yeah. Um, and that can be tough as an artist because we, we, we want to make what we want to make. Yeah. You know, and that even happened today on this music video. Like mm-hmm. I had an idea that I wanted um, and I liked and the artist said like, well, I really like this idea. What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a lot more work. <laughs> um, and but it's a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. And I was like, that's kind of hilarious. And I love it. And it's fun. And you know what? Let's do it. Yeah. And at and the end so, of the day, she's the end client. Of the day, we got it. And at the end of the day, she's the client, and she gets what she wants. Um, and it, and it was great. 
Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those things of like, you know, trying to stay humble mm-hmm. um, and, and trying to stay self-conscious, like be conscious of that mm-hmm. on like a <laughs> like hour by hour, minute by minute basis of like, okay, am I being humble? Am I being kind to the people that I'm working with? Because it's easy to get um, caught up in the logistics of things. It's easy to caught up, get caught up in like, how many shots do I have to get today? Mm-hmm. Like there, there have been days have been, it's been like 70 yeah. in a day. And I'm like, are you kidding me? There's no way any of these are going to be any good, yeah. you know? And, but it's just like, you know, understanding and putting yourself in the shoes of, uh, the producers you're working with, the client you're working with and saying like, like okay, mm-hmm. this is the sandbox we have to work in today. Mm-hmm. These are the restrictions we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something even that like that doesn't go away no matter what stage of your career you're in. Like, I I guarantee you, if you go ask J.J. Abrams or you go ask, you know, the guys like just did at the Mandalorian, which is amazing. If you said like, what restrictions did you have? Like, they could list them off to you probably pretty quickly because I'm sure they were just as frustrated by those mm-hmm. um, as we are by the ones that we have. Like, this it's mm-hmm. not something that goes away. So you're learning to work within those. Um, those walls mm-hmm. and create within that sandbox that you're given. Like that's a lasting career thing that I, you know, have yeah. started to understand and want to continue to hold on to and to keep digging into mm-hmm. to say like, okay, here's the box I have to play in. Mm-hmm. How can I make it the best that it can be within those mm-hmm. um, restraints? And when I did have, I mean, again, this is, I don't know, seven, eight years ago when I was freelancing with you mm-hmm. on shoots, I remember learning from you coming from me, you know, no college, very run and gun. The way that I always shot was just run and gun because mm-hmm. of weddings. Yeah. And when I started working with you, we would show up, you know, exactly on time. If not early, <laughs> we would have an hour, maybe even two hours to set up the, the shot, to set up yeah. the scene. And that was something I was not used to at all. And learning what a stinger was and what, like, <laughs> grab the sticks and the dirt, all the terms of yeah. the film world. But, like, really understanding and, and honing your lighting setups, you know, let's throw the 35 on. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's put the 50 on. Like, having that time to really mm-hmm. craft that um, that interview shot yeah. that could easily be like, all right, put a camera up, put some lights up, and we're good. Yeah. But we had that time to really that was like our little fun sandbox It's like, let's make it look as good as possible. Let's have fun with it. And it is fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's like playing with Legos. Yeah. Building, you know, an interview setup. you go into a location that maybe you didn't have time to scout. So it's just a new spot. Like, okay, by this window, uh, no, it doesn't look so good. Let's move over here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great ways to, to make something the best they can be, no matter what you're right. given. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. There's, there's something that's kind of stuck with me, a, a photographer that I worked with upstate New York. Um, we were talking one day, like shooting a wedding or whatever. And he was like the end of the day, the reception, like everybody was drunk, just having fun. And, we were, and I was like, I was like, you probably have just about, you're probably well past having what you need. And he goes, oh yeah. And I was like, anything else I shoot now is just not going to get used unless something crazy funny happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, yeah. Said this is the time of the day that I call. I'm just working out, and I, like I was that. like, I love that. He's like, yeah, like it's you know, I'm I'm here. There's things to shoot. 
I can practice. I'm just, I'm working out. I'm at the gym working out. I'm not running the race. I'm not playing the game. I'm just working out. I love that. And it's so like, that's really stuck with me. It's been super, super helpful because where I'm just like, okay, I may not be shooting the big branded spot I want to be shooting right now, or I may not be on the TV show or the film that I want to be doing. Um, but I'm doing, I'm doing something. And it's a great opportunity to say like, okay, on this shoot, I'm going to focus on blank. I'm going to say, okay, how can I polish my lighting a little bit more? I'm going to try, you know, putting some diffusion from my light. I'm going to try doing a book light and I'm going to figure what that is and try that Mm. and say like, okay, here's some opportunities to try some new skills and try a new idea. And honestly, like working at a production company was the best spot to do that because I had a safe environment as long as I still delivered what the client wanted, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't like it like super dark and moody. And they were like, this is for like a happy kids thing. This isn't going to work. <laughs> you know, as long as I'm still like within the sandbox I need to be in, but was just say like, okay, how can I try one more thing to make this a little bit better? How mm. can I maybe try this new idea, this new technique, or maybe try, you know, like, well, well, maybe would it look a little better if I like shot on a longer lens and compressed the background a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, on this instead of like having it wide and close, like trying different things, working those muscles, mm. learning these skills. And um, those are things that producers are not saying, hey, Justin, can you work on your book lighting skills? Like they're not <laughs> right. <laughs> they're not going to say that. But what they will say is when the shoot's over and they're looking at the dailies or whatever you want to call it, when they're yeah. looking back on the screen, they're like, hey, Justin, that looks like really good. Good job. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, yeah. They don't know why, but they don't know why. But like, oh, that looks great. It's and like, it might not even be a passing thing they even mentioned. But sure. they just like they're like you know they leave the day saying like that was great, that was professional, it turned out great. I'm gonna go to those guys again. Mm. You know, and 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 that's something that should still be done and earned, even if you're on an internal production team. If you're still, if your mm-hmm. clients are, you know don't really have a choice if you're like these are the guys that make your videos yeah um it's still important for the people that you work with for your clients to be like i want you to make my videos i just want i don't want you to just be the guy who has to make my videos Mm. but i I want you to make my videos because i trust you and i think you're going to do a good job um and that's something that has to be earned and that's only earned by you know putting in the hustle yeah staying humble there's a business book that's like hustle humble something else i don't remember you can look it up. It's probably good. <laughs> Just search those two words and then put book at the end on Google. Yes. You'll probably find it. It'll probably find it. Yeah. Um, I didn't do a good job of reading all the business books. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. One of, one of the things that I remember when I was talking with you uh, about Lifeway, you, you mentioned that you were doing a lot of live productions and mm-hmm. uh, switching and things like that, and that you really enjoyed it. Can you talk about kind of that that whole thing? That's a completely different type of video production uh when you're doing multicam you're doing live streaming different things because i mean it's live things are happening you can't say cut you know what were some of the things i remember you you kind of built a whole studio from scratch i believe right yeah Yeah, (laughs) i'm saying it with these question marks but it's true you're correct um (laughs) talk about yeah there was a pretty a pretty significant amount of my time that was spent doing that Mm. um and it's something that like it was one of those things I was like, oh, well, is this, a, how's this, is this really helping me be a better cinematographer? Is this helping me do what I want to do? I don't want to like live switch sports. I don't want to do that kind of thing. Um, but it really did help. And it really was an important thing. And I think there's some there's a lot of wisdom to be gained 
um, and it's similar to say like, you know, okay, if I'm a cinematographer, like I don't care about editing, I don't want to ever want to edit, but I'm like, no, you need to edit. Mm-hmm. And this is me preaching to myself because I'm pretty sure sometime today I've said, God, I really don't want to edit ever again, <laughs> but it's important because, you know, it, I will be a better cinematographer when I know how shots work together and yep. they need to know how they work together and what I need to lead from one to the next. And live switching is that like on steroids <laughs> on steroids on caffeine like sped up and crazy crazy fast like you have to be you're editing live you're editing live With like no, you're trying no <laughs> and, delete <laughs> right and not just editing live like calling new shots and saying like okay now i need yeah. a wide and now i need this I now think, i need the jib to start over here instead of yeah. over here and then i need it to land mm-hmm. here for this next person to walk on stage and all this stuff there was a great youtube video to sorry to cut you off i want people no, to go check good. it out i think it was the tony awards and it was neil patrick harris <laughs> yes um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was kind of a viral video in our community and it was it was the behind the scenes uh-huh. of the director calling the shots for the tonys yeah and it is so thrilling and exciting is like why die you know whatever like he's oh, just yeah. calling he's it, just like, shouting nuts. random numbers and you're <laughs> One, listening you're like two three 24 five six yeah. <laughs> yeah and he's just standing there shouting and you're like what is going on and then when you watch it on tv you're like did they pre-make this this yeah. is perfect because you know basically well there is rehearsal i think involved in oh, 100%. that percent but also the director was looking at 50 images yeah. and deciding where to cut to. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. And yes, those those shows are very heavily rehearsed. But there's still that, like, there's a massive amount of creativity that goes into pulling that stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even on something like, and a lot of guys like, you know, maybe on the media team at church and doing something or in a school where it's just like a person talking and you're just like, wind, click, tight, click, wind, click, tight, <laughs> click. But it's like, you know, that... That is still learning that skill set. That's learning that skill set. It's like, how do I shape a sequence? How do I shape something that is going to like draw an audience into what this person is saying? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you may be drawing the person away from what that person is saying. Mm-hmm. And so you you want to use those skill sets and those things of saying like, you know, how am I stacking these shots together to tell a story? Um, and doing that live is like a really like intense way to learn that skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, um, we we worked on a project with a comedian, uh, you and I, and oh, yeah. my dad actually. Um, and there's such a timing to, especially with a comedy show. Oh man, yeah. you know, you go to a wide at, maybe at a certain point, and then the punchline you punch in, and then you want to go to an audience shot for the laugh cues, mm-hmm. and then a wide. You can kind of feel <clears throat> like once you get good at this. And the more repetition you do, you legitimately can feel when I'm going to cut to the wide, when I'm going to cut to the tight. Absolutely. And there's a, a language to it. And I would imagine doing that at Lifeway, you really were able to learn that language. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And like music is a very, very similar way to, um, as well. And like, yeah. you know, editing music or even some of the stuff we're doing today of like, you know, just doing some like movie shots around the girl she was singing, like learning and getting feel for the rhythm of the song and what you want to do at those certain times and like mm-hmm. okay do i need to be like fast dolly right now or slow dolly right now where's the build there's yeah there's this dance and this rhythm and this language to it um and learning to feel those things and like live cutting music is a 
ton of fun because mm-hmm. it's just fast and you when you nail that right moment at the right time you just get a surge of energy and you're like yes that was mm-hmm. awesome it's like this feels like a tv show right but you're like behind the switcher you're like this is, feels real yeah i know this feels real <laughs> yeah i remember um, when i started working with you guys again i keep coming back to it because i just i'm starting to remember a lot of these uh-huh. I was actually on the ground floor operating maybe like a shoulder cam or like a tripod cam, but we had a jib operator and you were probably on the camera or in the back and we had these headsets and you would uh-huh. say, Hey, you know, Hey Dave, you're live, you know, and it's like, Hey, can you zoom in on this or like focus on that or whatever? Mm-hmm. And I think you guys actually had an iris control back there, which is pretty oh, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember just the fact that there was a jib, like it just made everything look so professional. It was insane. Oh, for sure. I don't know what it is, but it's like, do we have a jib? Yep, absolutely. We got a jib. You know, yeah. it's like the jib just takes everything up a million notches when you're doing a, a multicam. Yeah, it does because it's it's movement. And so you're adding movement to add, you know, visual interest. And you, you know, you want that movement to mean something and you want to do something with it. And so it's the same as like, you know adding slider shots or adding gimbal shots um Mm -hmm. you can't overdo it if the whole show is just jib sweeps the whole time like (laughs) like your audience would be like what in the heck is going on yeah (laughs) so using it sparingly using it interesting in interesting ways Mm -hmm. um it just adds that visual interest and it does feel more professional because like on higher end productions yeah you do have two dollies and two jibs and all this stuff and you can just it makes for a very smooth Mm-hmm. you know transitions and smooth connection points from like one part to another part i'm interrupting this podcast briefly to tell you guys all about the variable neutral density filters from polar pro now, if you're not familiar with the variable nd filters that we sell on our website this is an incredible filter that we've partnered with an incredible creator peter mckinnon Peter was looking for a filter system for his video production and his YouTube channel that was something that was lightweight, had hard stops on it, and was of the utmost quality when it came to the glass design and the color shift. So with our incredible team, we designed the Peter McKinnon Edition Variable Neutral Density Filter. This filter has been one of our top sellers ever since it was announced, and a lot of websites have trouble keeping them in stock because they're at such a high demand. If you run into a situation when you're shooting video where you want kind of a bokeh or like crazy depth of field effect, maybe you want to shoot at f2.8, f1.8 if you have a lens that's super fast and it gives you that nice blurry background, then you're going to want to use a variable neutral density filter because it's such a versatile tool to get that aesthetic. When you're shooting video at whatever frame rate you're shooting at, say you're shooting at 30 frames per second, you want to shoot at a 180 degree shutter angle rule. That basically means that your shutter needs to be double what your frame rate is. So if you're shooting 30 frames per second, you want to shoot at 1 60th of a second. Now the problem is sometimes you want to shoot at f1.8 on your lens and if you're outside, 1 60th of a second means that everything's going to be completely overexposed even if you're shooting at a low ISO. That's where the Peter McKinnon VND comes into play. It's a filter that you just slap on the top of your lens. You can rotate the filter to get different strengths of darkness. It's basically adjustable sunglasses for your lenses. If you've never heard of the Peter McKinnon VND, definitely check it out on the Polar Pro website at polarprofilters.com. You can learn all about it there. Thanks for listening through this quick break. Now, let's get back to my interview with Justin. So you traveled a ton uh, working for Lifeway, and I got to travel with you all, uh, often as well back when I was doing freelance. Um, but you travel way more than me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Are there any best practices that you kind of picked up along the way? Uh, you've been to a lot of hotels. You've done a lot of things. Is there any like travel oh tips gosh. that you can give to anybody listening? Because obviously we have a lot of creators that are traveling for work. So yeah, just uh, any any like this saved my butt when I had this one thing or when I knew this special trick when it comes to traveling. Oh man, there's so many things. It's one of those things like you know you can look up all these different things. We just got to kind of figure it out. Yeah. Um, TSA PreCheck is great. Yes. TSA pre-check. If oh, you're man. in America, if you're, if you're in the States, get yeah. pre-check, um, global entry, those things like worth every penny. I don't regret <laughs> spending that money at all. Um, <clears throat> especially here in, in the United States. Um, I think if you have a camera bag, if you don't have TSA pre-check, most airports, unless it's like a really small one and they don't care, have to check the whole camera bag oh, now yeah. and they have to pull all the cameras out and swab them and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you have TSA pre-check, boom, you just straight in. It's so yep. great. Yep. It's great. <laughs> pack um, light, right? <laughs> At least that's for light. me. Man, I struggle with that a lot. Cause even on this trip, I was like, okay, I don't want to check any bags. I'm flying United. I don't want to pay extra. Like I'm just going to like have my clothes mm-hmm. and my stuff. Dave is going to be real nice and let me use some of his gear and <laughs> it's going to be fine. But there were probably 40 times today. I was like, gosh, if I had my Pelican case with all my gear, I would have this blank that I need or yeah. I would have this thing, <laughs> you know, but I figured it out. We figured it out, you know, yeah, a little bit of gaff tape. It'd be fine. <laughs> um, but there's um, it, it. You strike that delicate balance between like, OK, how light do I want to travel and mm. how prepared do I want to and how like how much do I want to have with me I mean with your with your history at Lifeway often you're checking a lot of things yeah. Pelican cases why was it that so many things were itemized you know you have your entire camera package in one you know handheld Pelican rather than a giant think tank with everything in one you know you just it's just like the C100 is in one case and then the lenses are all in another case okay yeah yeah so like those are best practices that <clears throat> often production companies follow yeah yeah and there, there's a lot of helpful things of saying like okay here's the camera case here's the spot where everything goes here's the spot where the lens cap goes here's the spot where the body cap goes here's the best practices on like okay when the lens comes out of the case the cap and the body cap the cap and the the back cap go stay in the case. They don't go in your pocket. They don't go anywhere else. They stay mm. in the case um, because y- you will forget them and they will go in a pocket or they'll get left on a table or whatever. And so there's hundreds of those things that are so, super helpful. So it seems sort of slow or counterintuitive, but when you have multiple people involved yes. uh, and these are the rules that are established, you know, when you would have a new hire, these conversations you would have with, with yeah. a new person. For sure. And to say like, you know, here's how, here's how we function here. The house things work and there are reasons behind them. Mm -hmm. And it's that we've lost hundreds of lens caps. We want to stop losing them, (laughs) even though they're cheap, we want to not lose them. So here's what we're going to do. Did you label stuff with gaff tape and all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah. 24, 35, 50. Oh yeah. And, and it's just, it, once you know, and once you learn, it does make things way faster. Mm-hmm. there's no fumbling around. It's one of those things like once you have that shorthand and once you have that language, it makes things faster. Mm-hmm. There's a reason there are a thousand of those things in like the entertainment business and in production mm-hmm. because over the hundred ish years we've been doing this, we've said <laughs> like, we have to be efficient with this. We have to be smart with this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a lot of people are touching things and manipulating right, things. There needs know? to be some sort of structure. Yeah, and behind all those rules, at some point, there was somebody who screwed something up and broke a lens or did something that just mm. shut down the day. And yeah. they said, like, okay, we don't want that to happen or ever happen again. Yeah. So we're going to say, we're, let's all do this. Yeah. Um, when, it, when, it comes to, when it comes to footage, what were some of your uh, standard techniques in terms of DIT kind of stuff? Oh, man. Um, if you're on a, if you're on a big shoot with Lifeway, you're shooting all day, back it up multiple times and fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so were you dropping cards, uh, nonstop, even in, in between interviews and things, or was it depends, lunch breaks and stuff like that? Or depends on what it was and what we were doing. You yeah. know, there'd be times where, um, you know, like on a big, like multi-cam rig, you have like, uh, big key pro recorders or something. You, you have like cards in there that would record all day or something like that. Uh, one of the times I like failed pretty bad, uh, when I was at Lifeway was the footage didn't get dropped for a day or two. And after it did, I found out there was no audio recorded mm. onto those cards. Mm. So you had a whole day and a half with no audio, nothing like it was supposed to be there. I heard it on the monitors. Everything was supposed to be there. I could tell you technically exactly what happened, why it wasn't there. But the fact of the matter remains like I should have caught that way sooner than I did. Mm. Um, and I just got lazy and I said like, well, yeah, it's there. I see the meters. I hear it in the speakers. Of course it's there. But if the recorders only set to record two audio channels, and your audio is going into not those channels, but different channels. Yeah, you're toast. And so it's one of those things like checking it early, checking it often. And that's something even now, like I've done professional DIT gigs to where it's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, my eyes are on it the whole time. As soon as it comes off, I am checking everything about it. Mm-hmm. We're doing a test before I'm mm-hmm. like, format the card, put it in, do a, a test roll, give it to me. And let me make sure everything's the way it needs to be. And if you can do a backup of your audio, if you can do a backup of your video as you're recording it, then do that too. Right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. Today on music video, I shot the Fuji X-T3 mm. with the Ninja five on top. And so I had ProRes going to there and I had my internal cards going. So I automatically had backups mm-hmm. right there. Um, did, and, you, did you use the dual card slot and record to another card? Um, I did not do that much. <laughs> Come on, I did Justin. sequential. <laughs> I did sequential cards. I'm I know. Just yeah. You know um, what's you know what's ironic and kind of strange though is cameras like the Airy uh, Alexa Mini and the Red. Neither one of those cameras have redundant card slots, and often you're shooting a Netflix special or something on one card <laughs> with no redundancy. Uh, Yes, that is correct. Um, <laughs> Just off topic, but yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, it's true. But there's also on those sets there is a DIT whose job is to make sure everything is perfect and done and captured mm-hmm. correctly. Yeah. So, so can you just explain to just just to clarify? Can you explain what DIT is? It's maybe a photographer or somebody who doesn't know what, what DIT stands yeah, for. Yeah, the DIT is the digital imaging technician. It's it's the it's it's the guy who dumps the footage and backs it up on set. <laughs> uh-huh. um, because basically, I mean, when you're shooting digital, you're shooting super fast. Um, you you want somebody there who's checking it as you go. Yeah. Um, and like some sets have them, some sets don't. Um, some sets will just like take a card, lock it up, and send it to the post house immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times they're going to have a DIT on set who's going to check the footage, who's going to back it up to a raid or multiple raids mm-hmm. on set to where you have redundant backups. Mm-hmm. And is going to uh, check color fidelities, make sure everything looks good, is going to um, maybe do onset color correction and do a LUT 
um, in coordination with the DP to make sure that everything is looking the way they want it to look. Mm -hmm. Um, and then all that data gets communicated back to post where they're looking at the same LUTs you're looking at on set mm -hmm. to where everybody's seeing the same thing. Um, and that gives a great uh, jumping off point for post. Yeah. Um, now, all, all this sounds really great, but if I'm shooting a wedding, I'm not going to have somebody to just hand off to this or correct by myself. But like the reason that it's important is within the context of whatever job you're doing, say you're doing an interview with a very important person or somebody mm -hmm. who will not show up again for another interview or not even do a second take. Right. You have to make sure that thing is recording and has backed the crap up. Because That's right. <laughs> you're not going to call uh, Russell brand again and say, right. Hey, remember last week when you did that interview with us? Well, the audio didn't work and yeah. we weren't rolling on our B cam. Can you reshoot that Can for we us? That? Can you fly from London back over here to do that? Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Of course not. Exactly. Obviously, it makes sense to have it for a wedding because, hey, can you put that dress on again for us? <laughs> you know, can you guys say I do again? That's yeah. where, you know, maybe extra SD cards or having multiple angles, of course, can, yes. can help you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But like having another camera in the back, even if it's a GoPro, to cut to if something happens mm -hmm. or if you need to, like, change your focal length real quick on your zoom lens, you don't want to keep that quick zoom in in your shot you want to have something else so having those yeah um having yeah having making sure you have enough cards because like mm -hmm. there have been times i'm like running if if your cards are set to record on both record a, a main and a backup mm -hmm. you may get to the point where like end of the day and you're like uh oh i don't have enough cards. they're both full and both of my cards are full because it's my main and my backup. I now have to, have to like backup. wipe the backup yeah. and you know, so making sure that you have enough, enough cards that you have not mm -hmm. just enough, but like two more than enough. Mm -hmm. Um, make sure you have two more than enough batteries. Um, and, and even thinking through like, okay, what does a DIT DIT do? And what are the critical parts of that, that I need to do as a, single one man band mm -hmm. and and that can be just as simple as um dumping your footage as Im immediately when you get home mm -hmm. like um and even this is great for like photographers so i'll know just do this too like you know you don't want to leave a card in your camera when you're done mm -hmm. you like your job is not done on that shoot day until everything is backed up and checked mm. um like that's the last part of your work day. Which sucks. At Which midnight <laughs> you just shot. You're on your feet all day shooting a wedding. It's 1 a.m. You are dead tired. Yeah. You're not done. No. Plug it in no. the computer. Your work's not done dump yet. Dump it. Back it up. If you must put the camera on your table and just get it ready and then go to sleep and then do it in the morning. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's still yeah. risky, I guess. But right. Yeah. I mean, because you're you going to forget about it. Yeah. It's one of those things like uh, the job isn't done. Make sure it's backed up and then make sure it's backed up in multiple places mm -hmm. on multiple drives because mm -hmm. I've had drives fail and that is the worst. <laughs> so, you know, when it's like, you know, right now the music video is on one drive and I'm like, I want to go back it up onto mm -hmm. another drive just so that. Even though ideally, like it would go on a drive that would, like, I would mail to myself. If I really wanted to make sure, I would have two SSD drives. One would go into the mail at your house to be shipped back to me. One would go with me on the airplane to make sure, like, everything is fine. You know, 
and that and that's why you know when you're doing a big set like you have your mm-hmm. on-set backup you have another backup you're made a transport drive that goes mm-hmm. to post and so like as you're going through your production schedule you have mm-hmm. um a full on-set backup post has their backup all everything is named the same so if they see oh we have a like a weird file here or we think we're missing something here you can double check it on your backup mm-hmm. on set and everything this sounds you can make sure you don't miss anything again from a one-man band perspective this sounds nutty but these best practices again are obviously being done at the high high end of the multi-million dollar productions because yeah. every minute is hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. when you're talking about a marvel movie right but uh those things can absolutely trickle down to whatever scale you're shooting at. Absolutely. Treat it professionally. Treat it with some sort of uh, structure and format. That way it's repeatable. You're never having to go back and redo anything. Right. And it's just a clean way to work. Yeah, it is. And it just makes it, it's one, when you make a system for something, and I'm preaching to myself right now because being freely, like <laughs> recently back into freelance, I'm like, I need to get my systems and processes down so that for it, yourself, because it's, it becomes something you don't have to think about. It becomes mm-hmm. this thing like, okay, I have this, I have these rules for this and I have this mm-hmm. system for this. Mm-hmm. This is where this lens goes. This is its lens cap. It doesn't go on any others cause it's the 35. Here's the 35 lens cap. I don't have to think about it. It's something that's out of my brain. I don't have to, mm-hmm. I can free up that space for other things. For creative I just thinking. Know, like, oh, here's that, that's that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's the Steve Jobs mentality of like, I'm always going to wear a black turtleneck. Like, I'm not saying do that because that's ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's one less thing that you have to think about. Absolutely. Um, and you can free up space to, you know, for the more creative things or the the problems that will inevitably come up mm-hmm. and you're not going to like, Oh my gosh, where's that lens? Where did it go? Where did that lens go? Where did I bet it? What bag, what bag is it in? Like, yeah. uh, no, it should be in its lens case, exactly mm-hmm. where it goes with its caps on, because that's where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that that you got to experience maybe more than, than most is the fact that there were lots of people involved, not all the time, but, but sometimes too. Oh, yeah. When it comes to, say, somebody who's listening who is a solo operator, but they, they come into a situation where they have some budget, what are the first people that you're going to hire? Who are the people that you are saying are essential? Is it DIT? Is it sound? Is it oh, an additional operator? Is it a producer? You know, who are the people that <clears throat> you come into a situation where you have some money? Who should I hire first? Oh, that's tough. Um, as a like as a DP, as like a shooter, the first person I'm going to hire is a gaffer. Um, and what's, then what's a gaffer? after that is uh, so a gaffer is going to handle all of your lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be able to talk with them, and be like, okay, I want to do, want to do key light kind of over here, you know, uh, like I love a strong backlight mm-hmm. and maybe we're here by this window and then they can take that and run with it and make it, mm-hmm. you know, and, it makes, and shape it up, make it look pretty. Gaffers make DPs look good. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I told my my gaffer buddy that the other day. I was like, you make me look way better than I am. I just finished up a recent reel and I was like, uh, I was like, Paul, you've like, you, you make me look way more legit than I, know I am. Paul. I love Paul. He's oh my the gosh. best. <laughs> and I, you know, that's it, it. It's critical to a career. And you know, most DPs mm-hmm. out there have their, their gaffer, their go-to mm-hmm. person that they trust and that knows their style mm-hmm. and knows what they want to do. Yeah. Um, go, go look at some of your favorite movies, look at the DP and then look at the credits and see the gaffer and then look at all the other movies and see if it's the same person. It probably is. <laughs> there's a, there's a high chance. It's a relationship industry. So, Oh, completely. Yeah, completely. But, uh, okay. So if you're a DP, a gaffer, if we're talking about a one man band situation, you're hired to produce an entire, you know, for this music video, for example. Yeah. 
you know, or uh, let's say maybe a corporate video, mm-hmm. you know, somebody hires you to, to do a promotional video for their company, small yeah. company, you know, here's $3,000. Let's make a video. Yeah. You know, um, if you don't know, start with the things that you, um, if you don't own a camera, you got to rent something. I right. Guess. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you got to get your equipment. So that's, that's just a whole different thing. But, yeah. um, for people and personnel, and I would always say prioritize people over gear. Mm. Cause if you can get, if you get good people, and enough hands, you can you can make um, whatever gear you have shine really really well. I think our our friend Seth Worley, our mutual friend Seth Worley, is literally the best example of that. One hundred percent. Almost every film that he has done for Red Giant was shot on a five D or less. Yeah. With a three thousand dollar budget, but right. there were dozens of people who were more than happy to absolutely be involved in the project. Yep. And that's why they turned out so good. Absolutely. I mean the the first one plot device that we did, I was on that one and it was like 10 of us who just wanted to come make something cool mm-hmm. and with enough hands, enough help, like we had a 5D and an airy kit and you know and and what turned out it was amazing, you yeah. know, because we have the with the people comes also the less things that are on your plate mm. to actually. So Seth was able to be like, okay, here's the shot I really want. Here's what I really want to do. Could talk with the DP, could talk with um, the gaffer and the camera team. And we could all just come together to make this thing shine with mm. whatever we have to work with. And that continues no matter what your budget level is. Mm-hmm. So like surround yourself with the people first mm. um, and then start adding on the gear. Um, so gaffer VDP, I would assume you would say audio guy, but yes, like go whatever, whatever, you know, you're not the best at and what you want off your plate, hire that person. (laughs) Um, a lot of times that sound, especially for, you know, in a business that seems dominated by camera focused people, Mm -hmm. um, find a good sound guy. Like Mm -hmm. I love the sound guy or, or sound girl. There's some really, really great ones. Yeah. Um, Find that person who loves being in that seat on the bus. Uh-huh. Um, we were just talking about this earlier before we were recording. It's like, man, I would love to find an editor that just loves editing. Yes. <laughs> to help me edit stuff because I don't like editing. It's the best. But there are people who like editing. There are people who love audio. Uh, yes. our, our mutual friend Mike uh, mm-hmm. was, you know, <clears throat> our mutual friend Mike, you know, was the audio guy and he loves it, right? Yeah. I use him all <laughs> the time. Um, Mike, the audio guy. But he, it's, he's, He's great at it. He's passionate about it, you know, and um, that's critical to say when I go on set with Mike, I don't have to worry about it at all. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to think a thing about it until I have to say, uh, boom in the shot and and he (laughs) just lifts it up a little bit. Like, you know, that that's the amount that that it happens. Mm -hmm. And and that's so critical to being on a good, collaborative, healthy set. Mm hmm is that you have a lot of people there who are really good at their jobs who just are able to focus on only their jobs. Mm. And so like, as you go to kind of say like, okay, who should I bring in first? Think about like, give yourself a good, honest look in the mirror and say like, what am I, what am I good at? What am I passionate about? Mm. And what am I not? What can I delegate? What can I hand off? Mm -hmm. You know, for me, like I don't love producing. I don't love the details and the, logistics like i i want to go shoot a thing i want to go make it pretty i want to like catch the sun at the right moment Mm -hmm. but 
that we need somebody to handle permits and we need him somebody to handle travel and logistics and all of those things. And so finding people who are very good at that and mm-hmm. or finding a production company who's really good at that and can help with the, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm that's huge and helpful to where you can just focus on like, what's the story I want to tell? Yeah. Um, what's the imagery I want to create to help tell it? There's an app, uh, that I know both of us are mutual fans of. It's called Shotlister. It's Mm -hmm. a wonderful app. Um, no matter what scale production you're doing, I would even argue, you know, YouTubers could use this app. Oh, absolutely. Just it, it, you put in the schedule for the day, uh, and you, you start, organizing your shots and it literally has like a little ticker on it and it's like all right did you finish that shot yet and then you check it off and you move on and yeah obviously if you're shooting you might not be able to pick it up uh if you have a producer they can operate that oh um, yeah but apps like that are very helpful oh super helpful Shotlister is amazing um the feeling that you get on the inside when it's green uh-huh. you're like yes we are doing great and then when it's red and then when it's red like plus an hour and you're uh-huh. just like uh basically by the way uh yeah. justin's referring to if if you are ahead of schedule, then the little ticker is all green. Yeah. If you're behind schedule, it goes red. Yes. So, but it's yes. it feels great because it's like when you have an app like that, uh, and I think back in the old days, you had producers with a clipboard that oh, yeah. were that. Yep. <laughs> but um, it just shows you, it's like you're able to figure out, okay, I need 20 shots today. I've got you know these four hours interior that I'm going to shoot and then while the sun is setting, we're going to shoot within these three hours or whatever. Right. And then you can just start labeling it and seeing like, wow, we're actually ahead of schedule. And it, it, it's, it's uh-huh. actually really nice to have an actual plan in place. Yeah. Rather than, I know I need 20 shots, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. Right. Once you start itemizing it, it's actually kind of amazing how it can all fall into place. Oh, yeah. And it's just... it. It just solidifies the importance of pre-production and how you don't have to be on a big production to do pre-production and Mm -hmm. how important it is. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you don't have a lot of time to do it. Yeah. And so you just have to prioritize and say like, no, pre-production is super important because if pre-production is done well, Mm -hmm. production is easy and post is easy. Absolutely. If pre-production is not done well, production is hard and post is hard. (laughs) So it, it. Just, you know, you go upstream all the way to the beginning and say, like, okay, how do we plan this out? What do we really need? Like, what is our script? Let's break down our script. What are our scenes that we have to get? What are the shots we need to get? Let's go ahead and think about what lenses we want to do, what focal lengths we want to have. If you're doing any exterior stuff, what kind of locations are we going to? What's inside? What's outside? Like, Where's the sun setting during this particular part of the day? Mm -hmm. Where do we park in order to get to that location exactly and those are things like if you go all up to the biggest levels like they're spending months doing that Mm. so that they can go shoot for 20 days and actually get it all done within 20 days yeah you know which can be crazy on you know like an episode of tv or a film or something like that that you can knock everything out as efficiently they do especially in tv they're so Mm. efficient it's insane Mm mm-hmm and it all comes back to pre-production. Mm-hmm. And so trickling that all the way back down to like starting out your career, like <laughs> think about it first. Like, you know, it, it's fun to just go shoot and you should, should just go shoot. Mm-hmm. Like today we're doing this music video. We're like in the zone doing that. And I was like, the sunset's really pretty. I just want to go like shoot the sunset. Mm-hmm. Be like, nope, focus, do your job. <laughs> um, but it, so it's great to just go shoot and go practice and go lo- work out like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're, on these jobs, on these productions, like, you know, get the plan in place, get the details in place. 
if you're not good with that, bring on somebody who is and who mm-hmm. can help you out. Um, cause that will just, that trickles down all the way through the process. Mm-hmm. If you get done ahead of time and you, you have those, that checklist in place, say you got an extra hour left, then you can play, you can work out, right? Exactly. Then you go shoot the sunset, right? You know? Yeah. And you do so without any stress. You feel mm-hmm. good. Your shot list, your like, app is green. I know I got it. Great. I know I, know I got, we got it. it. So, or you can just go home. That's, that's, yeah. that's always the best feeling. It's like, well, we, uh, we wrapped a little early today. So, uh. But let's just go home. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's always good. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a bonus day off of school, you know? That's right. And it's like, oh, sweet, three-day weekend. Um, all right, so Lifeway was a thing that you did, but now you're not yeah. doing that anymore. You have now moved on to another uh, avenue of your career, and it's exciting. It's a new chapter. Yeah. And when you think about the longevity of, of a career in any creative industry, you know, here we are, you were in there for nine years or whatever, knock on wood, you know, you have a enjoyable, healthy life. Um, you know, you've got a lot of, a lot of years left Yeah. and those nine incredible years were, you know, in addition to the college experience that you had, it was just a whole nother training ground. And every single chapter of our lives as a creative can be seen as a, obviously a learning uh, Absolutely. thing. You're constantly learning, like you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It was so much like, there's no better place to learn on the job, I think, than a place like that. Mm-hmm. And there are hundreds of places like that, you know, some like small to medium sized businesses, mm-hmm. even some big corporate businesses who have internal production companies. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to learn. It's a great place that is going to own their own gear that you're yeah. going to have stuff to play with, to mm-hmm. learn with. Um, I haven't owned my own gear in a long time. And right now I'm like, should I own gear or should I just rent everything? Like, what mm-hmm. should I do? And, you know, it's funny having that conversation now versus, you know, when most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great place to learn that and to play with gear and to mm-hmm. meet people and learn from other people who've been doing it longer than you. Um, and it's a, it was a really great place to fail and screw up because mm-hmm. I like majorly screwed up some stuff and lost some audio and people were very mad and wanted to fire me. And, but it was a safe place to do that, mm-hmm. you know, Rather than, you know, if I'm out on my own, like that's a job I would immediately have lost and a client I would have lost mm-hmm. probably permanently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe not a paycheck. You could have yeah. Maybe all, right? like, yeah. okay, contracts terminated. You don't get your paycheck. And so there's, there is a lot of positives mm-hmm. to being in a place like that. Um, and as a look like career as a whole, there's a, there was this little graph that went around social media for a while, a long time ago. We should bring it back. It's um, something like what I, um, like my career on the bottom and like what I think I know. <laughs> um, and it like spikes right at the front, the beginning of your career, like you go to school and you're like, I'm a genius. I know all the things. And then it very quickly plummets all the way to the bottom. <laughs> and the rest of the graph, it's just a tiny little like exponential growth uh-huh. for the rest of your career. And a long time ago, I was like, you know, if I spend my whole career and I just slowly, just one job after the other, just slowly get a little bit better every time. If it just trickles up slowly by slowly Mm -hmm. and just everyone builds on the last one. I don't, you know, I don't have any like big jumps in success and big valleys. I'm like, I just want to every time just get a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think after that first initial like oh, I don't know everything, you know, um, <laughs> bit of failure. And I had a, a, a DP I was working for who's very kind. And I still where I worked with the other day. And 
you know, showed up young kid, think I know everything and be like, we should try this. We should try this. And like, you know, here's this DP who's been doing it forever. And it was just very gracious. Like, okay, kid, um, <laughs> you're cute, but we're going to do this. Uh-huh. And, you know, then it was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And that's good because I get to learn and there's mm-hmm. loads of people that I get to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like, I could sit and watch YouTube videos and learn from other people all day long. Mm-hmm. We're talking about like, yeah, Steven Spielberg may not come to your school and give a seminar, but guess what? I bet you his seminars from USC are on YouTube and you could watch them and learn just like those students did. So go ahead and find it. What an amazing time to live, right? It really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. You can constantly be learning. And so developing a curiosity about that and wanting to learn more mm-hmm. and seeking out that stuff and seeking out conversations with people who've had other experiences than you mm-hmm. um, and say like, what is that like? Tell me about this. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. There's so much great stuff out there. The, the barriers to entry um, into entertainment and Hollywood and production are kind of fizzling away. Like there's still a lot of people that say like, Oh, you need to be in LA to do it and be like, mm-hmm. okay, well there's a lot of relationships and connections, but you know, there's nothing, you, you don't need to work in LA to know what an Apple box is. You don't need to work in LA to know, you know, how to set up lights and how to make, you know, good high level productions. No, this stuff's happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. So like find the people, meet the people you need to meet, um, ask them lots of questions. People like, I find people love to share knowledge. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, there's some people who are like, well, don't give away all the secrets. Don't, tell them what's in the secret sauce because then they're going to just take your job. (laughs) Like what a sad attitude. Like I, there's so much work in production right now. Everybody wants videos. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants a YouTube channel. Everybody wants good content. Mm -hmm. And what a time to be alive, to be somebody who says like, I want to make good content. I want to make content look nice Mm. because you know what? I like watching content that looks nice. So I, you know, want the videos my kids watch at church or at school. I want those to look good and be professional and be nicely lit because it, it helps it be not distracting. Mm -hmm. You know, I want the commercials I see and everything that I'm watching. I don't want to be like, Oh boy, that, Ooh, no, you know, like (laughs) the, the more we encourage each other, the more we lift each other up, the more we teach each other, Mm -hmm. um, the, the better it is for everybody. The Yeah, like you said, well, what a time to be alive that we have access to so much wisdom and so much content to just continually be learning from. Mm-hmm. And I hope that's something that, you know, the YouTube generation kind of solidifies mm-hmm. um, in our generation and our kids. They're like, you can learn anything you want. Go learn. Go figure it out. You know, not just in production, like... You know, you want to learn to go make a chair out of wood. Guess what you can learn on YouTube? How to make a chair out of wood. Go do it. Um, there, There's so much out there. And I just, you know, I, I'm continually like telling that to myself. Like, don't lose the curiosity. Don't, you know, don't ever think that I've arrived at a certain point to where I can't, mm-hmm. you know, watch a YouTube video about like five like essential things about C-stands. You know, like even I'm like, well, yeah, I know, but you know, maybe there's a little tip that I haven't thought of, and I'm like, oh, that's helpful. Or maybe I just need a reminder. Yeah, be like, yeah, hold it this way so you don't smash your fingers. You know, like all these yeah. different things. So, 
never think that you've learned everything mm. and always be open to learning more. And hopefully your career will just step by step, video by video, get mm. a little bit better, a little bit better and a little bit better. Um, and when I look at, you know, as a cinematographer, I look at the greats of the business and I look at these guys who have just like want to be like, you know, and want to have a catalog of work. Like that's how they've done it. They've just slowly mm. and surely gotten better. They said every project, like, how can this one be a little bit better than the last one? Mm. And when you think that Roger Deakins thinks that and be like, <laughs> I don't know, Roger Deakins, how can you make it better than Blade Runner? Like, oh, okay. You shoot 1970. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Point taken. You just said, like, how can we make it a little bit better? How can I do a little bit better job than I did mm-hmm. last time? Um, and having that attitude. Talk about a career. Right? Very career. Oh, my gosh. That guy's old. Oh, my gosh. And then I think, like, okay, if I can if I can be, you know, in my 80s and still yeah. wanting to be on set crafting images, mm-hmm. like, that that would just be awesome. Mm. Um, and if that doesn't happen for me, you know what? That's awesome, too. Yeah. Like, it, you know, it's a joy to be able to to do this Mm -hmm. for a job that supports my family like that like man yeah that's pure luck we're very very lucky to be able to do it and like we said too it's relationship business too the friends that you make i mean Mm -hmm. here we are sitting across each other and we were roommates but we also connected with our careers so we are even closer friends because of it and my family is friends with your family and like yeah all that stuff is, that's the stuff that matters, you know? It is. It is. The relationships matter the most. And there's, there's nothing better than like creating things with friends that you care about. And you know mm-hmm. that you're connecting with each other, um, to make something to connect with other people. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. The best hangouts, honestly, with all my friends have always been on shoots. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> it's awful. Cause it's like, I haven't hung out with so-and-so and it's like, and then you go out on a shoot with, with them and it's like. We never hang out outside of this, but honestly, it's kind of fun shooting a project together because you you connect on yeah. so many levels. You, you hang out with somebody longer than if you just mm-hmm. had lunch, you know. Right, exactly. And the you know, there's something even like whatever your job is, like those those are the people you see the most. Yeah. Even sometimes more than your family. You know, you're just like you're like especially when like a nine to five job, like I I was with those people, mm-hmm. you know, more than I saw my kids sometimes. I see my kids like an hour in the morning and an hour at night before they go to bed, you know, but I'm hanging out with these people mm-hmm. six, seven hours a day. And so yeah, it's important to like develop those relationships and find those connecting points because mm-hmm. those, you know, being a person who's great to work with, who's encouraging, who's kind, like those, those will never go out of style. And those will be something to say, like when somebody has a job later on, be like, oh man, you know who's great to work with? Dave. I'm going to call Dave. <laughs> you know, that's never been said. <laughs> <laughs> I was just joking. Always incrementally be learning, always be growing, stay humble. Uh, stay kind. Yeah. Uh, maybe put that on a like a lock screen on your phone or something if you have to be reminded of it. Yeah. Like, do it. That's okay. We have everybody has bad days. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you're kind of pissed off. Oh yeah. But it's like you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and maybe you're just not having a good day. And looking at a note on your phone or maybe on your mirror just yeah. to remind you, like, stay humble, stay kind be empathetic. Absolutely. And, uh, those are all things that everybody can take Absolutely, no matter what job you have. So, yeah. And it's, and it's fine to have to remind yourself about that. It's, you know, give yourself grace and say like, 
you know, I'm learning, I'm on this journey and I, you know, here's the person I want to be. Here's the kind of um, crew member that I want to be. Here's the team member I want to be. Um, because this is the person, the kind of person I want to work with. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try to be that person too. Well, with all that being said, we're coming up at the end of our, uh, interview here. I definitely incrementally, I'd say quite drastically learned more about you during our <laughs> conversation. Uh, how can people find you on, uh, on the socials? Yeah, man. Uh, JT Wiley, W Y L I E. Just like the coyote. All the things. Yeah, I guess. I don't really know how you spell the coyotes, but yeah. Wiley Coyote. Yeah, yeah go follow J- Justin. Give him a give him a shout on Instagram. Uh, and say, hey, great podcast. And uh, I'm sure he'd be willing to share some knowledge if, he, if you would like to ask him anything. Yeah, hit me up. I'm around. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go make something. Thanks, Justin, for being on the Golden Hour Podcast. It was a pleasure having you on. And uh, yeah, well, uh, I guess I'll see you next time you're back in town. We should follow up a year later after you've been freelance for a whole year. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I hope it goes well. <laughs> <laughs> I know it will. So hang Thanks, in buddy. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Justin Wiley. One of the things that really stood out to me in our conversation was kind of hearing about all the different roles that took place in the company that he was working at. He had producers, audio people, even people helping out with lighting and shooting. And when you strip it all down and go to what he's doing now as a freelancer, it's incredible to think that now you kind of have to do all those things all together in one, you know, one person, one freelancer. And so it's important to think about your budget, think about what you have to spend and see where you can allocate that to get a little bit more assistance to help grow your company, to help grow the quality of the content that you're making. And it's important to consider hiring the right people. If it's an audio person, if it's an editor or even a lighting person, it's important to think about that when you're dealing with your budget, because even if you're making a certain amount of money and you want to keep it all for yourself, if you're not able to do your job at the quality standard that those people are expecting without hiring somebody, then you should really consider doing that. Start looking at where you can find people in your network and in your local communities to get involved with the productions that you're working on. Find somebody that loves audio, find somebody that loves lighting and start becoming friends with them. And I think it's important to remember that we are not alone in this journey. There's people in every area in this creative field. And it's important that we collaborate and work all together. Speaking of all together, thanks for being all together on the Golden Hour Podcast every single Tuesday. If you are not subscribed already, hit that subscribe button in the podcast player of choice that you happen to use. I happen to like Overcast on my iPhone, and I hear that Pocket Cast is good as well if you're on an Android. Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing guest. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays. This is the Golden Hour Podcast. We'll see you next Tuesday.